Hello, and welcome to episode six of Cop and Daughter. I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. So, in this episode, we are going to be discussing Sins of Our Mother, which is a, I guess it's a mini-series or a series? I don't know. What it's are a they? docu-series. A docu-series. Yeah. Okay. So, learn something new every day. It's a docu-series on Netflix. And this has kind of, I think we're going to be doing more, like, just discussion in this mm-hmm. episode. And while we're six episodes into this podcast, I think we're still kind of ebbing and flowing and trying to get the feel of of, of what... Um, our time in the podcast is going to be like, uh, so yeah, so this, I, 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 there's this to me, there's less about, um, kind of maybe documenting the actual, what happened and maybe a bigger discussion on how it impacted us, what we think about it. And then my perspective, um, from a law enforcement Mm -hmm. standpoint, that sort of thing. So, why don't you kind of give us an overview of what Sins of Our Mother is about? And really the podcast, in my opinion, is is kind of a, if you're interested in this, you can go, go watch, watch it, it yeah. right? Right. Um, you, can, you can Google this. Uh, when this was happening, you know, like mm-hmm. your mother, my wife, she, she, like, she has not seen this documentary. Right. And like when I brought this up to her, she could talk about some of the points, not necessarily Mm -hmm. knowing everybody that was involved. Right. So, yeah. So for the listener that maybe hasn't seen it, isn't completely familiar with it or sort of knows it, but needs a reminder, what do we have going on in this docu-series? Yes. Um, So this series highlights um, some events that took place with a gal named Lori Vallow, also known as Doomsday Mom. (laughs) And Lori has three kids, um, Tylee, JJ, and Colby. And um, throughout the beginning series, uh, beginning episodes of the series, it kind of touches on, um, you know, Lori's had quite a few husbands. I think by the time that it starts, she's on her fourth. Which and, is, and then ends up at number five, right? Yeah, okay. it'll end up at five. <laughs> Um, so when we begin the series, she's with Charles Vallow, um, and they are from the LDS background. Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints or Mormon. Um, and Lori, um, gets fixated on kind of that doomsday outlook on things, um, believes that there's a day where pretty soon... Um, the world won't. the world the world will end and Christ will return. Um, and so along the way, she meets Chad Daybell, who is a novelist and um, kind of a public figure in the Mormon Church where they are from, and um, they create this like system of ranking um, basically on how spiritual or how evil people are. And so they believe that people who are alive are actually dead and they're taken over by demons or zombies. And then these zombies are rated um, on like a scale of like, if you, like you were given four points, you're more evil than someone who has two points 
yada, yada. And so their goal is to essentially get rid of these zombies. And the only way to get rid of them is by killing them, setting their soul free, essentially. Um, So through this process of ranking, um, Lori gets um, connected with her brother, Alex, and um, they kind of start to go through the list and more or less get rid of these zombies that are around. And the first one that we hear of in the docuseries is Lori's fourth husband, Charles. Um, So with Alex's help, Charles is shot um, by Alex in what is reported as an act of self-defense. Um, so we'll come back and touch on this in a minute, but, um, cops are called, they come to the scene, um, it's more or less ruled self-defense and they are kind of released to go about their lives. Um, and then, um, shortly after Charles's death, Lori runs away. She takes Tyler and JJ, her two youngest children, and um, marries the novelist, Chad Daybell, um, and they kind of start a new life together. And shortly after they get married, Tylee and JJ go missing. Well, I'm going to stop you there. Okay, what yep. happens to Chad's wife? Oh, yes. Chad had a wife, Tammy, and Tammy's wife, or t- sorry, Chad's wife, Tammy, also dies. Yeah. I can't remember. Do you remember what the cause of death was in that? Do they ever say? I, I don't remember if they ever say, but I do know that they exhume her body yeah. from the grave to revisit yeah. that. So, right. again, odd that she dies and that nobody questions the fact that this, because she's younger than 50 or yeah. close to 50 at the yep. oldest. And that was like three weeks before Chad and Lori got married. Yeah. So it was a quick turnaround from Chad's wife dying. Yeah. Um, to him and Lori getting married. Um, so they're, Lori's children, JJ and Tylee, go missing. Um, and friends and family are starting to notice, like, the text that her oldest son, Colby, was getting from Tylee just did not sound right. Um, and people... We're noticing that, you know, JJ wasn't around his mom anymore, which was unusual because he was only seven. Like, seven-year-olds don't usually go off and do things on their own. Um, So people started confronting Lori and Chad about where the kids were, and they would not reveal. They kept saying he was at this friend's house, and the friend would say, he's not with me. And then Lori's common phrase was like, don't worry, he's in a safe, like, he's safe, he's in a good place but would never just come forth and say, like, he's here, this is where he's at. Same with Tylee. Um, so after, I want to, for some reason I want to say four months, I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, children have not been found, um, and police get a search warrant for Chad Daybell's property um, and go out and search the property, and that's when they find... Um, human remains in the burn pit on his property. And it's later ruled that it was JJ and Tylee 
um, that they had found. And to this day, the cause of death has not been revealed. Um, Lori and Chad are both will go on trial in 2023, but currently have not gone on trial for that. Um, so yeah, just a crazy situation. Yeah. So that's, I, I think, um, one of the things that I just want to note is that, I mean, there's no, there's no resolution to this. There's nope. no, uh, they have not been, well, they have not gone to trial. They've not been convicted. So, um, I find it somewhat interesting because I don't think you see this a lot with yeah. Netflix in particular or these kind of things of usually they've gone to trial and there's been... A re- there's some sort of resolution. Yeah, there's some, the, we yep. know what happens. And so, um, I, you know, <laughs> like I said, this is, if, if you're paying attention to the news um, in 2020, I think is when all this went went mm-hmm. down if you're paying attention, you're, you're familiar with this because right. there's, there's kind of that like ongoing story of um, Lori and Chad not saying where these kids are mm-hmm. and nobody can, which again, huge red flags. Like the fact that a parent can't say this is where right. my child is, 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 is an issue. So, but they have not been convicted yet. And so um, I think it's interesting that this is out there uh, because one of the things that happens when you go to court is, and they're 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 trying to find a jury, mm-hmm. is they will question you. They will ask you, like, what do you know about this story? How right. closely do you do you pay attention to all of this? And you know, you can always find people that don't know anything about right. about the particular story. And, and but part of me is like, is that really somebody you want making a decision in right. court? If they aren't aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so that that is the I, I kind of one of the places for me that just was like this this still goes to court in 2023, and we are putting this out there, and anybody who watches the docu series is going to assume they're guilty, right? And so there are different standards for how you can do what you do in the legal process, the legal system. And so to make an arrest of somebody, you have to have probable cause. Mm -hmm. And basically probable cause is, you know, it's more likely than not that the person did what they're being accused of doing. So uh, there's evidence that points to, so the fact that like these kids are missing, Mm the parents aren't bringing them to the authorities when the authorities are saying, bring your kids to us. Mm-hmm. And then they get a search warrant. They go to Dable's property and their remains are found on the property. So that, that right there is probable cause that he and her, Lori and Chad were involved in the death of these kids. Right. Their remains are on his property. Um, you mentioned uh, in your summary that that they are part of the Church of Latter Day Saints. Um, religion as a whole, not trying to pick on them, but you know, I'm sure when Lori was being asked the question, "Where are you? Where are these kids?" and she's saying, "Well, they're in a safe place." Well, in her mind, what does that mean? Heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's she's ans- she's answering truthfully, right? 
that they're in a better place. Right. Uh, especially with her convoluted ideas of being zombies and all that kind of stuff. But then when you go into court, probable cause is not enough. For them to be found guilty and to have consequences to be sentenced to something, in the courtroom, the burden is beyond a reasonable doubt. Hmm. And so when you get to that point, their attorney essentially just has to create doubt. Right. And so let's say there's... Chad, and I'm just making this up. I don't know that mm-hmm. this, is, this is factual. But let's say Chad's got a brother or a friend or somebody mm-hmm. that would have access to his property, mm-hmm. all that kind of All they got to do is create some sort of doubt right. that Chad and Lori didn't do this. And if they both say we're innocent, we didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. well, that becomes very difficult to prove. Right. So that that is kind of one of those first pieces of all of this to me is as we watch these shows and we think, well, yeah, they're guilty. Mm-hmm. You as an investigator, as a, a police officer, you have to do a complete investigation. And it's kind of one of those things of like, we know you know something to be true, right. but then what can you prove to be true right. are often two very different things mm-hmm. and as crazy it may as it may sound if these the people investigating this did not do a good job a good defense attorney can create yeah just that little bit of doubt yep that causes a jury to yeah not <laughs> not convict mm-hmm. so another thing that has come up for me in us like all the different people that we've talked about and in this one in particular is this idea of insanity. Right. And I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on that. And, um, does not being of sound mind, not having your full faculties in terms of what's right and what's wrong. Does that excuse you from these crimes or should people still be held accountable even in, those moments in well I'll, I'll have a follow-up <laughs> based on that but so what are your thoughts on entering into San, insanity and you can even include because we've talked about you know we've talked about Bob Berdella we've talked uh-huh. about Richard Grissom we've talked about John Robinson I mean we've talked about other people were clearly they're not in their right mind yeah, yeah. they're not in their right mind right and, and then even something we haven't discussed here but you and I watched is the Jeffrey Dahmer docuseries mm-hmm. on Netflix and again, like I, in the Netflix series with with Dahmer, I think they there's an element of they are trying to create empathy for him, right? And I'm not saying that that's unfair, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. However, I, I, so anyway, I think you get the gist of what I'm saying, and I'm curious of if you've thought about that and where you maybe mm-hmm. are in that, and so I think it's hard. To say, honestly, but I think too, when you look at a case like Dahmer or, you know, Bundy, something like that, their crimes were evil, like Mm -hmm. we've talked about. Um, And so I think it's easier to look at a case like that and be like, of course they should be held accountable. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't, you know, it doesn't matter if they were clinically insane or whatever, they killed 
so many people and were so malicious in how they killed them um, that I think for me, it's like they kind of deserved what they got. Um, But then I think when you look at a case like this where it's like um, she's kind of portrayed in more of a an everyday person. She was a mom just trying to take care of her kids. Um, and then even for me, there's an element of like how much of this was like, she just like, maybe did she have some mental, um, instability and how much of it was like brainwashing from Chad or from just that group that she was a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's a little bit easier for me to have empathy in like a situation like this. But at the same time, it's also like, how could you kill your children? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think, you know, like this is different, but similar, like as a teacher, you know, when you talk about your kids in your class and they do something that deserves a consequence It's like a common, like you have two sides of the coin. Like some people are like, oh, well, they responded like that because they have significant trauma in their life and they don't know how to regulate their emotions. And it's like, that's true. We all have, Mm -hmm. you know, you all have to learn how to regulate and choose right versus wrong. But there still needs to be the consequence so that they can learn this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just go about doing these kinds of things and think this is okay. And this is how I'm going to get my way. Yeah. And so I think it kind of goes in the same light here of like, if we just say like, Oh, they did it cause they weren't in their right mind. Well then, and there's no consequence like you risk putting them back out there when they're really not a safe person to be out among society. Yeah. Well, I don't think they would ever let them, Loose. I think right. there's they a. They probably would be in the yeah. like a treatment center. Yeah. Because so the one that comes to my mind is John Hinckley Jr. He shot President Reagan mm-hmm. and he was found to be insane, not able to stand trial. And he's been basically in a mental institution mm-hmm. since then. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely not a, would not want to let them ever go free. Um, yeah, and it, it, so yeah, the whole argument of nature versus nurture, you know, knowing right and wrong and that sort of a thing is, um, you know, I, I I definitely operated in my law enforcement career of of coming from a standpoint of, you know, you break the law, there's consequences for breaking the law, and I don't. Some people might say I'm getting soft, but as I get older and you kind of realize that the world isn't isn't so black and white. It is just a, like an interesting, you know, just I'll put it to you this way. I think the concept of putting somebody in jail for mm-hmm. doing any crime mm-hmm. is somewhat absurd mm-hmm. because yeah, sure. There's punishment that's right. involved there. Right. But what, I mean, most it of the time not be the most logical yeah, like what, of, yeah. What, like what really happens to that person by being locked up in prison? Right. Usually they go there and they learn how to be worse than yeah, they do they about getting mm-hmm. better. So so there's there's that aspect to me of just like, I certainly think there needs to be consequences for it. 
but our system does seem to fall short in terms of, well, we're going to lock you up and put you in jail. Right. And it's just like, really? That's yeah. the best that we can come up with? Um, so that's that's one of those pieces for me. And then again, too, there is that element of um, given that a hand that somebody is dealt, and certainly there are people that rise above and do well and contribute to society and don't commit crimes, don't kill their children, don't do those things. And in this one, I, I don't even know that I have much empathy for her but like very early on in the, in the docuseries, I mean, there's this element of she has a belief that she's better than other people yeah. and that she's a chosen person. Yeah, I think and, at one point her husband, Charles, had said like she thinks she's a reincarnated god or something like that. Yeah. And so there's like an element of like, okay, if that's who you are, like, like if I believe I'm a god, well, then <laughs> – I can do whatever I want. Right. There's no consequences for me. Yep. And even from that matter, if you are if you are somebody that that has a religious background and you do kind of believe in eternity and heaven and those sort of things. And again, I'm not saying that this is this is right and I'm not making excuses for anybody, but she was answering truthfully when she believed that her kids were in heaven that they were in a better place. Right. Because ultimately for all of us, that's we're all going to die. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. all we're, you know. So anyway, um, I guess my point in this is as we've been doing the podcast and as we've, we've been having these discussions, um, I find myself just wrestling with debating the concept mm-hmm. of people understanding right from wrong. Yeah. And again, not excuses for anybody. I think there needs to be consequences uh, I certainly think in this particular situation, um, killing your own children, even if you believe they're zombies and that mm-hmm. that's what, like, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Um, so kind of backing up a little bit in the docuseries, we do get a look at what happens. Mm-hmm. When Adam Cox, who is Lori Vallow's brother, mm-hmm. is involved in a quote unquote self defense with her then husband Charles Vallow, mm-hmm. and I don't know, are you? Can you give a kind of a little like rundown of what actually happens on that day, and maybe some of the red flags that happen with that? I I think it I, it's hard to follow in the documentary for me, but. Um, Lori had had Alex stay the night with her. This is like a new house that they have like little to no furniture in. Right. Yeah. Right. Which she tells police was normal for him to stay over. Mm -hmm. But then others have said that was kind of strange that he was there. Um, and so... I honestly like can't even remember what started the altercation or Well and that's the thing. There's there's I like, don't think there was any like Well they're all there. Like right. when I say they're all there, I mean so her it's brother Alex, Alex Charles, Lori, Lori, and then her daughter Tylee, Tylee and JJ are all there. Are there. Yeah. And it's Tylee, before school. Yes, yeah, before school. And Tylee even gets called into the police to kind mm-hmm. of describe what she sees happening. Right. And I think even articulates that there's like a baseball bat. Yes. 
I think Charles did have the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Alex pulls the gun out mm-hmm. and shoots Charles. Yeah. Um, but then what does Lori do with the kids? She takes them to school. She takes Actually, them- well, she leaves to take them to school. And on the way to school, they stop at Target and get flip-flops. Yeah. So that behavior right there is yeah. not even like, even if it was self-defense. Mm-hmm. Lori should be upset by the fact that her husband is dead. Right. Yeah. And she's not. So she like, like if somebody gets shot in mm-hmm. our, in your house, you're not going to take the kids to school. Right. Now, again, people do crazy things in the moment of crisis. And, and sometimes our gut response is to do what's normal mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, especially like if, if you're wanting to protect the kids or something like that. Right. But the whole going to target to buy flip flops, goes kind of out the window. And then when the cops are talking to her, what is her demeanor with the cops on that? She's kind of got like a happy-go-lucky attitude about her. Like you don't see very much distress from her. She's kind of smiling and like almost like laugh, like yeah, just like chit-chatting with the cops about what it's very nonchalant for her that she just was a part of a shooting in yeah. her own home. Yeah. And ultimately a homicide. Her right. husband is dead. Right. Husband number four is dead. Yeah. And she doesn't seem to ask any of the details. Mm-mm. Like she's not curious about like what happened. Right. That sort of thing. And I'm not going to pretend like I've been to a ton of those scenes, but I've worked enough of them mm-hmm. that when somebody dies, like whether it be a suicide, whether it be an accident, whether it be a homicide, mm-hmm. the people closest to them, so mm-hmm. like their husband, their wife, their parents, their children, yeah, they want to know what, what happened. happened. Yeah, like they want details, and she just seems like you said, happy-go-lucky, nonchalant, mm-hmm. and. How that does not raise a red flag the police officers, yeah. for the police officers, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the brother Alex, I think does have an injury to the back of his head from a baseball mm-hmm. bat. Yeah. Um, again, I kind of question that a little bit because I'm like, man, you get smacked with a baseball bat. That's going <laughs> to. Yeah. Well, and it's later revealed. I think this was after like the journalist started looking into it. I don't even think this was the police that caught on to this, but the altercation between Alex and Charles occurred. Alex called Lori to tell her what had happened. And then she says like, Oh, you should call the police. And 43 minutes later, Alex calls the police. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure in the moment you would think to like differently, but like police would probably be the first people I'd call. Then you call the person who needs to know, yeah. you know, and your fan, like, so just the order of everything that happened. So, so I will say this. I, th- I think there is an element of panic. Right. Yeah. That sets in for people in those initial moments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, while we while we all think we would call nine one one, we'd call the police. I do think that it's not unusual to call somebody close to you to process. Yeah. 
So, so that to me, I guess is the 43 minutes a little bit. Yeah. Right. Especially if he's dead. Right. Um, and that's even the other thing too, is, is that, um, you, when I listen to the conversation, so there's, there's, um, Alex, um, calling into nine one one and they're telling him to give CPR. Mm-hmm. That conversation does not like sound like somebody that is actually giving CPR. Right. Like there's right. that whole like, well, yeah, I did it and he's not responding. Right. That's not, that's not how that usually goes. And then the other thing, which I don't know, um, you know, as this goes to trial, this may be one of the things that they pull out. But if you do CPR on somebody, you break their ribs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would be able to look at Charles's body and go, somebody performed chest compressions on him or, or not. Didn't. Yeah. And I would bet money that there was never yeah. any chest compressions done. And then the other thing is, is if somebody has been shot and you do chest compressions, blood comes out of that bullet hole usually. Yeah. And that would be another thing that, and again, I, I don't know much about, I think if this takes place in Chandler, Arizona. I, I can't keep, it I is in Arizona. Yeah, I can't remember. But just any cop that has done the job long enough, mm-hmm. you're going to go in and go, that looks like somebody that's been shot that's had CPR done on them. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you, I, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to make it sound so you know, one, two, three, you see these things. Right. But at the same time, you kind of go to a scene and you're just like, this doesn't add up. Right. This doesn't jive. Yeah. And what they show in that docuseries is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. But man, it just does not seem like. Yeah. Well, I think even like the, um, where like Charles was when the officers got there and where the gun, like the gun was in a totally different room with the bat Mm -hmm. or something like that. And they were like, well, why is this over here and not over here? And Alex has some sort of excuse for it. And yeah, it just like that they went into that and didn't see those red flags. Yeah. And again, like that stuff happens. Right. But at the same time, you're like, this is a murder, whether it was self-defense a human being killed another human being Mm -hmm. and all this stuff should start, maybe not one thing, but all of it should, should start to add up. And, um, so I, you know, I did get to go to like a homicide investigation school. And one of the things that we were taught that, that school was you only get one chance to do it right the first time. Mm -hmm. And so even if it's, a suicide, even if it's an accident, even if it's natural causes, regardless of the reason why the person dies, you treat it like a homicide mm. until you can rule all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that comes to my mind is we had um, we had a, a woman who died, quote unquote, in her sleep, and her husband calls the police the next morning to say, Hey, my wife died in her sleep last night. She'd been sick. And we show up, police officers show up, the paramedics do their thing. And there's little things that, that, that don't add up. And one of the mm-hmm. things was petechia. And I can't ever say if a petechia, petechiae, I can't remember what it is, but it's the red in the corner of oh, the uh-huh. eyes 
which is an indication that somebody has been strangled. So that was one of the first things that they noticed was that this wife who's dead in her own bed mm-hmm. has the the broken blood vessels in the corner yeah. of her eye to indicate she's been strangled. So that was kind of one of the first things. Um, medics do their thing. The officers, you know, preserve the scene. And then they start talking to the kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, well, yeah, mom and dad were fighting last night. Mm. Okay. So again, there's like, yeah. we got petechiae. We got mom and dad fighting the night before. And so- there's no reason at this point to believe that anything nefarious has happened, but she is dead in her own bed, basically healthy, even though the husband says that she's, she's been, been sick. sick. And they start building on all that. And mm-hmm. guess what they find on the computer? The computer the 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 husband has Googled how to commit murder and get away with it. You know, oh, one of those gosh, kinds yeah. of things. So um and again, this is also a very religious family. And I think it's interesting that he chose murder over uh-huh. getting divorced because, like, divorce was unacceptable. But anyway, I'm not going to say cops always get it right. But this docuseries was very frustrating to me with what they show from body cam yeah. in terms of nobody has any yep. any red flags um, about this. Um. Other thoughts that you have about the series or anything else that you wanted to touch on during this episode? I can't think of, I feel like we touched on. Yeah, I think we did too. So uh, this one to me is one that I think, I don't know that we'll commit a whole episode to it, but certainly we're going to revisit this Uh um, on the other side. Um, You know, another thing that just stood out to me throughout this is just the odd religious nature of all this because there is a woman that talks in this. Yes. And I don't remember her name. I can't either, but <laughs> she's like, an, like she identifies as a prophet yes. in the LDS church. Um, and she just kind of highlights like what was wrong with what Chad and Lori were doing and how like it doesn't actually align with what the LDS church as a whole sure. believes yeah. and I thought that was interesting. But even as she's talking, I'm thinking you're crazy. She I had that thought too. It's and like she you're she almost doing exactly she, yeah. Yeah, you're doing exactly what not exactly, but like some of the things you're saying sounds like what Lori or even Chad had said about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and she acknowledges it too. And mm-hmm. and I and that's one of the things that I find really interesting is you know, religions that have become mainstream, we kind of accept mm-hmm. the traditions and the things that go with it. Right. Um but when something is a little bit different again, yeah. You go, that yep. <laughs> does not jive. Yeah. And so I thought she was very interesting too in terms yeah, she of said, she was the one that like she could see people's past lives like she said that every one of us most of us have had more than one life already mm-hmm. and she's like able to identify what those past lives are for other people and it's like i yeah like and yeah. if you don't believe that that sounds crazy absolutely crazy yeah but if it's what you believe then it doesn't seem... That's what you believe to be true. Yeah. yeah. And so that was that was part of like all of this to me that, again, never justifies killing your children, never justifies... <laughs> right. And again, you know, you, like, you were talking about her just saying that 
what they were doing was not in line with um, what the church as a whole, the church yeah. as a whole would believe. And so there's, there's issues with that. And, you know, I'm even thinking back to Chad and his wife dying and how quickly he moves on from mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, Lori is on husband number four and now has husband number five. Um, oh, I know one of the last things was before we kind of wrap up here was uh, Lori's mom. Oh, yes. So yeah. we were, So that was what you had mentioned and I go ahead and kind of talk about what you brought up before we started recording. Cause I think it's a valid point. And- yeah. I just thought it was so interesting how, um, kind of quick her mom was to defend Lori at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter could never do that. Like she's, they all kind of initially like put it on Charles as Charles being the crazy one. Mm-hmm. Like Lori wouldn't be saying these things. She wouldn't be doing these things. And so, Charles was kind of looked at as the one causing the family drama. Um, And then even after everything with Charles happened, her mom continued, like, was just in denial about it all. Um, And so it kind of got me thinking of, like, how would I respond if I was in the mom's position? Or, like, how would my family respond if I turned out, you know, was doing things that were crazy and, like... Would it be hard to acknowledge that those things are happening, or would I, you confront the person and kind of have that like intervention type of thing? I don't know. Yeah. It just was very, and it even almost still felt like, even with the evidence that they did have, the mom was still like maybe holding out hope that it would be proven that mm-hmm. Lori wasn't a part of it or. Yeah. 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 And it's that, anyway, I'm not going to totally, I'm not going to go there. I'm just <laughs> going to leave it at that. Cause this is, 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 is we have kind of embarked on this podcast. If I had to sort of say where I'm at mm-hmm. is just that whole, I'm, I'm very, I'm fascinated with what humans are capable yes. of doing. Yeah. And that includes Lori's mom and the denial with that. It includes the ability to take the life of another human being, Mm -hmm. you know. And then, again, I have been very blessed in my life right? and have not had a ton of trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have our fair share of trauma. I've seen things. I've experienced things. And, again, no excuses but I am. It, it. I just find it very interesting what human beings are capable of doing. Yeah, I think so. that's where some of my like, just with this whole true crime thing, is like, it is so hard to wrap your head around, like you said, what humans are capable of. Yeah. Like, there is no part of my brain that can understand. Oh yeah, I could see like why she did that or why they did that. Yeah. And so. It's almost like, I know I'll never be able to understand, but you kind of just keep coming back to it because it's like maybe it'll click or you just want more details to understand what was happening. And I probably never will understand, but. Well, I think that is a good place to wrap up this episode. Um, 
and kind of why we do what we're doing as we sit in yep. front of these microphones and talk about this particular topic. So again, episode six of Cop and Daughter, we appreciate you uh, spending your time with us and uh, look forward to, um, well, I don't know what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the podcasting <laughs> with you next time. I don't know that we're going to get a chance to interact with any of you listening, but thank you for doing it anyway. So until next time, I'm Cop. And I'm Daughter. Stay safe. Public to help find him, we should know for you, you may find his footage disturbing.